back to another episode of the Binge Eating Dietitian. If this is your first time here, my name is Jo. I'm a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counsellor. And my only purpose of this podcast is to smash the taboo of binge eating. I got a question recently about why I put those three flags on my podcast artwork. And the reason for that is those are the three countries that I am a registered dietitian in. So I am registered to practice in Ireland, in the UK and in the USA. And you might not know this, but if you are not registered in a country, you can't practice there and you can't call yourself a dietitian in that country. So there is a funky fact for you. Anyway, I hope you are doing well and hey, if nothing else, the weekend is almost here, so let's celebrate that. Today I wanted to get into a subject that is really at the core of my skill set and expertise and that is about food itself. In particular, setting the story straight about if foods are actually good for you or bad for you. You might not be surprised to learn that my stance is that there is no food that is bad for you. And unless it's gone bad or gone moldy or, you know, past its expiry date, food is only good. I'd ask you to take a moment to think about what is your stance? What do you think about food? Do you think that some foods can be good for you and some foods can be bad? What do you think has influenced that stance? Even if you don't have any kind of nutritional qualifications, I bet that you do know lots about nutrition. The thing is though, sometimes we can know too much. It's information overload out there and I often think that we are living on what I call a high fact diet, F-A-C-T. We receive so much information about food and nutrition that we don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to interpret it. And sometimes, depending which way you look at it, it can seem like all foods are bad. And that can really stifle you, leaving you feeling stuck because you don't know what you should be eating anymore. One day, carbs are bad. The next day, fats are bad. It can seem like the only food that's safe is fruit and veg. And staying in that place is a sure way to orthorexia or other eating disorders. If you're struggling with binge eating, I have no doubt that you are confused about everything relating to food right now. On one hand, you know what to eat for health and longevity, and on the other hand, you can't get your head around why you keep binging on food that you quote-unquote know are bad for you. So I ask you to approach this episode with an open mind. Acknowledge everything you know about nutrition and consider just putting it to one side for 15 minutes or so. Allow me, as a really qualified person in this field, to talk about what is true about the foods that are so often demonized. This is a great first step in dismantling any food rules that you've built up throughout the years and starting to view food again as neutral, which is a really important part of binge eating recovery. Towards the end of this episode, I'll share a quick exercise that you can do to start to dismantle whatever food rules you have created about the foods I'm going to mention or others. So here we go. Here are three of the most common fear foods I see wrongly demonized and why in fact they are good for you. Number one is white bread. Good old white bread. Bread is thought to be one of the world's most consumed foods. Bread means so much more than just nutrition or fuel though. Bread has religious connotations and in some cultures, literally having bread on the table 
means that life is good and that everything is okay. There's no end to the myths of nutrition and bread though. The most common one I hear is that white bread is stripped of all nutrition. And this is far from the truth. Thanks to fortification of white flour, white bread is a valid source of protein and B vitamins like niacin and thymine and even iron and calcium. Remember in a previous episode, I spoke about improving health-promoting behaviours. That is, adding in behaviours that will improve health, even if your weight never changes. One of my favourite health-promoting behaviours is adding extra fibre into your daily intake. Fibre is a type of carbohydrate that isn't well broken down by the body. So one of its many functions is to add bulk. So that means that you're able to poop a bit easier and that you don't become constipated. From population-based studies on our diets in the UK and Ireland, we're probably not taking as much fibre as is recommended. And sure, whole grain bread likely contains higher amounts of fibre than white bread. But white bread still contains a small amount, and that's great. And sure, as a dietitian, there are some situations where I may encourage intake of whole grain bread, but there are hundreds of scenarios where I wouldn't recommend increasing or adding whole grain bread into your intake. Such examples include maybe you don't like whole grain, which by the way is a very valid reason not to eat it. Maybe you associate whole grain bread as a diet food and you're trying your best to heal from diet culture. Maybe you're having some tummy troubles and have identified that whole grain bread is a trigger for that. My point is, whole grain bread isn't automatically better and with protein, calcium, iron and B vitamins, white bread is still a very nutritious option. And if you have noticed that you are maybe not taking in as much fibre as you'd like to and that's something you'd like to work towards, brilliant. You can do that in lots of ways without having to stop eating white bread. Actually, choosing to add more fibre into your day is a really good health-promoting behaviour because it's additive. It's not taking something away. It's adding something in. Therefore, it doesn't contribute so much to that deprivation restriction mindset, which we're all so familiar with and we all know how that ends up. Common fear food number two is pizza. Pizza is one of the most common fear foods that I come across and it's considered unhealthy by most. The thing is though, if we just zoom in on the nutrition side of it alone, I see a lot of positive. Let's categorize pizza. Pizza is a meal. It contains all of the macronutrient food groups and therefore if you have a big enough portion, it's classed as a meal. Pizza has carbohydrate from the dough, fat from the cheese and protein from the cheese, the toppings and some from the dough as well. Then there's the additional extras like whatever toppings you put on and if you add say a chopped pepper or sweet corn or some mushrooms, you got yourself a really well-rounded meal there that's likely going to keep you going until your next mealtime. I can hear you screaming at me now though, but I feel so stuffed after pizza. I always feel like I overdid it and I feel like I could pop. If that's you, let's zoom out again and look at the whole picture. This is a good example of where intuitive eating comes in. Intuitive eating is about 
for the most part, eating foods that make you feel physically and mentally good. If you are feeling stuffed after eating pizza, I guess that means that you don't feel physically good. But that doesn't mean that you have to cut out pizza. There are lots of reasons why pizza doesn't make you feel okay. For example, it's generally a more salty meal, maybe even saltier than other meals that you like. So you might be extra thirsty and have to drink more water with pizza, which can make you feel extra full. Often, pizza is enjoyed as part of a ritual, like a takeaway night with family or watching with friends in front of a movie. Maybe, just maybe, you weren't fully present when you were enjoying the food, and so maybe you ate a little bit more than you intended to or passed your point of comfortable fullness. And that's why you feel extra full. Maybe you really like the taste of pizza and even though you could feel yourself filling up, you still wanted more and that's absolutely okay. Maybe you're in the habit of ordering pizza because you just can't face cooking right now. If that's you, I hear you. I'm happy that pizza is available to you because as I said, pizza is a meal and it's an easy and accessible one to many so I'm grateful it exists. Bottom line is, pizza is a great meal option and certainly isn't inherently bad. If it is making you feel a little bit gross when you eat it though, it might just need a little bit of tweaking. Doesn't mean you have to cut out pizza altogether. And common fear food number three is biscuits or cookies. Just to clarify, I'm talking about the same thing. In the UK and Ireland, we call cookies biscuits and in USA, Biscuits means something entirely different. I learned this when I saw biscuits and gravy on a menu. If you want to give that a Google. So what I'm talking about here is biscuits or in the USA, they're called cookies. Let's begin by categorizing biscuits into a food type. Biscuits are mostly a snack food. So something to enjoy in between meals. I think we can agree that biscuits are most likely not a meal although I could see a situation where they could be turned into a meal. Unfortunately, biscuits have become a food with so much morality attached. It's so common for people to say that once they open a packet of biscuits, that's it, the whole pack is gone. There's a crazy amount of guilt associated with eating biscuits, where it's like, take that packet of biscuits away from me, I can't be trusted around a pack of biscuits. Or, I have no self-control once there are biscuits in the room. What I rarely hear, though, is any kind of discussion about the enjoyment of biscuits. Biscuits are delicious. They're versatile, they're easy to access, they're pretty cheap, and they're the perfect match with the cup of tea. Is it possible that biscuits feel addictive and like they have control over you because you have built up this narrative in your head that biscuits are so bad and that you have to feel guilty when you eat them. When you believe that biscuits are something that you shouldn't eat, when you have a quote-unquote slip and eat one biscuit from the tin in the office or at a friend's house, it's likely that's going to spark the all-or-nothing mode, feast or famine mode, and lead you straight to a binge on biscuits. Biscuits that you may not even like the taste of. They're not even the flavour you would go for. It just so happens they're the only ones that are available to you in the house. 
And sure, I acknowledge that biscuits are not the most nutritionally dense foods available to us. Although having said that, it's certainly not true to say that biscuits are devoid of all nutrition. For example, they're usually made with the same fortified white flour that's used to make white bread. So you have things like added B vitamins, calcium, iron, folic acid. And the thing is, remember, you don't have to choose foods based on their nutritional properties only. Food is so much more to us than just nutrition. If any of this is ringing true to you, I ask you to take a moment to reflect on what your current beliefs are about a food like biscuits. What we're doing here is we're investigating our inner critic, what our inner narrative tells us about a food such as biscuits. This isn't an opportunity to be judgmental. It's just take a moment to stand back and consider what you say to yourself and probably other people about a food like biscuits. Be honest with yourself here. You don't have to tell it to anybody else, but just take a look at your inner critic and ask, do I only talk about how negative a food like biscuits are, how addictive they are, how bad for you they are? Is it all negative? And here is where my little exercise comes in to start to dismantle those food rules. For every negative judgment that you make about biscuits, I ask you to balance it out with a positive one. So that might look like something like this. Biscuits are high in calories and they make a great snack for when I'm in a rush. Biscuits are fattening and they just make my cup of tea a whole lot nicer. Biscuits are addictive and I'm grateful to have a pack on hand when guests call over. This is a subtle reframe, but what it does, it helps you to change the narrative. So change that inner critic that you've built up in your head over the years, that a food like biscuits are bad and that you should stay away from them. Because the truth is, they're not bad. And that constant negative narrative is not helping you to find food freedom and overcome binge eating. Remember, no food is bad. And for something like biscuits, lots of people enjoy them every day in a way that feels good to them, physically and mentally, and often without finishing off a whole packet. And I promise you that you can get to that point too. You can do this with any of your fear foods. First step is just take a look to see what you are currently saying to yourself about those foods. Identify the inner food critic. And then see if you can match every negative comment that you make about that food with a positive one. So I'm not telling you to change your mind suddenly and only think positive. I'm asking you to balance those statements out. So every time you say something negative about the food, also say something positive about it. And the goal of this reframe is that you'll start to see foods like white bread, pizza and biscuits as being as neutral as any other food that you like to enjoy during the day. By not having this morality attached, this negative energy attached in the food, something wonderful happens over time that you just don't feel that food has the same power, the same control over you anymore. And you don't feel the urges to binge on it just because it's there and because it's something that you shouldn't have. But it takes time, so please do always have self-compassion throughout the process. 
All right, gonna leave you there. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave me a review or rating on iTunes just to help get the word out to more people. And come and say hi to me on Instagram if you haven't already. I'm at binge.eating.dietitian. I'm gonna leave you now with my 30-second cereal box book review and I will see you in the next episode. So this is a book that I really don't recommend for binge eating and that is Never Binge Again by Glenn Livingston and the reason why I don't recommend it is because it has this essence of shame and guilt and self-blame throughout the book and you might call it tough love but I call it shame and I don't think it's helpful. He refers to binge eating as your pig and I think that just makes the reader feel even worse about binge eating. So just to reiterate, I this don't repost episode it. of the Binge Eating Dietitian podcast. If you didn't know already, I am taking some time away from the podcast in 2023 so I can focus on smashing binge eating in other ways. I am doing a doctorate degree. I'm doing a doctorate of education degree in the realm of binge eating. And as you can imagine, it's taking some of my time and attention away from other pursuits like the podcast. I am keeping in touch with you on my mailing list though. So if you go to the link in the show notes now, you'll see a link there that says get your binge free week checklist. When you sign up to get the checklist, you will be added to my mailing list and I'll keep you posted on how things are going over there. And I am sharing all of old episodes because they are full of wisdom about binge eating that I know that you need to hear. So so please keep listening and I'll chat to you soon over on my mailing list. Make sure you head to the link in the show notes now and sign up to get your free checklist to have a binge free week. And then you'll get my regular emails after that. Until then, please take care. It's for informational and educational purposes only. Only. It is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice, and it does not constitute a provider patient relationship. <laughs>